You're listening to The Takeaway from WNYC and PRI Public Radio International in collaboration with the BBC World Service, The New York Times, and WGBH Radio Boston. Hey, you want that to go? We've got some takeouts now on stories we're following this week. And let's go first to pensions. Pensions took a big hit in the recent financial crisis. There's probably many of you this morning who are listening who are one, worried about the shape that your pension is in. Well, there's a new report from the Pew Center. It says there are eight states who've been given an F on their management of state pensions. Louise Story is a finance reporter for our partner in the New York Times. She's been following this story. Louise, what are these eight states who are actually failing? Good morning, Celeste. The states are Alaska, Colorado, Illinois, Kansas, Kentucky, Maryland, New Jersey, Oklahoma, and New Jersey has not put money in its pension for 10 years. Holy cow. Now, what does it mean when they're failing? Does that mean there's just a too large of a gap between what uh, the benefits they're supposed to pay and how much money they have? So the Pew Center looked at a number of factors. Remember, these are public state workers we're talking about here. And they looked at how much um, money the state had put aside and how much money it has promised. And these states all had a 20, at least a 20% gap on that. You know, they had put less than 80 cents aside for every dollar they had promised. Now, the other thing to keep in mind, you mentioned how the market had fallen. These numbers do not even include the market crash of the fall of 2008. This is using data before then. So the real picture would be significantly worse than this. It adds up across the 50 states to a $1 trillion gap between what our states have promised to pay public workers over the next 30 years, and what they've put aside, it's a very big problem. This is only affecting public workers. Do we have any idea of, of the pensions in, in a, say, corporate or private right. corporation? So companies, companies are required by law to put money in their pension each year, ah. but states and local governments are not. They get non-binding recommendations what to put in, and this mm-hmm. um, might be something that will be addressed given this problem. So yeah. companies are in better shape. Louis Story is a finance reporter for our partner in the New York Times. All right, let's check in in Vancouver. It was the best day for Americans ever at the Winter Olympics with six medals, including three gold yesterday. Lindsay Vaughn started the week with a shin injury, and she's now at this point. It's amazing. I mean, I just, I've given up everything for this, and it means everything to me. It's why I work hard. It's why I'm in the gym, and, you know, my family's here supporting me, and it's just... It's awesome. That's Lindsay Vaughn at the bottom of the hill after her victory yesterday in the women's downhill. We're joined by Nathaniel Vinton. He's a sports writer for the Daily News. He's covered ski racing in Europe for years for publications like Ski Racing Magazine. Nathaniel, Lindsay Vaughn, her bruised shin was the most publicized injury at the Olympic Games. And people were asking at the beginning of the week whether she would even be able to compete. That's right. Uh, Yeah, and it turned out that she was able to win the race by quite a big margin. She crushed them. Yeah, she did, and it was a it was a really rugged course. It was icy and bumpy, and it had this nonstop terrain the whole way. So it it, uh, it put a lot of stress on that injury. And she's got an, another couple of events coming up. There's the there's the combined. There's the super G. Uh, does this victory in the downhill pretend good things for those events? Is she as strong in those other two uh, skiing events? She is traditionally. Uh, we've we've crammed the schedule pretty tight over the next couple of days with these events, and uh, that's because the weather was bad for a while there. So, whatever um, aggravation she caused with her 
race run, uh, we'll, I guess we'll find out how how much uh, that holds her back in those events. But yes, she's very good at Super Combined and Super G, which are both coming right up. Right. Now, the, the women's downhill wasn't just about Lindsey Vaughn. Let's talk briefly about uh, Julia Mancuso took home the silver for the United yep. States. Yep, that's right. Now, the two of them have been racing together, uh, competing together since they were um, 12 years old or, or so. Um, they, they have very different style personally and, and on their skis. Um, and Julie Mancuso is, is um, by no means a, a dark horse, but this was her best race of the year, and she really rose to the right. occasion. Let's also point out that over at the speed skating track, United States speed skater Shani Davis took home the gold in the men's 1,000. Uh, it's quite, quite amazing. Nathaniel Vinton of uh, Daily News, thanks for joining us. For more on our Olympics coverage, go to our website where we have stories from a team of bloggers. Skating blogger Aaron Harris has a post on who to look out for in tonight's free skate. That's at thetakeaway.org. And their last takeout comes from our listeners. We talked yesterday about some of those crazy ice skating outfits sometimes you see. And we got this email from Jim in Fort Hill, South Carolina. He says, I saw a report on NBC where Brian Williams referenced the image of frilly, flamboyant, and sequins fashion for the fa- male figure skating sport in a very derisive tone. Then during the story with figure skater Evan Lysacek, they went out of the way to mention how big, manly, and macho he is. I tell you what, Evan had an outfit on last month with straps on his shoulder and chest area that looked like something out of a leather bar. What's up with the attack on fashion? So what if we love each bobble and bangle? If you love it, Jim, I think that's great. Keep sharing with us at thetakeaway.org. You can post your thoughts on anything. Now, on our site, uh, a few of you have been reacting to our coverage of the administration's funding of the country's first nuclear plant in three decades. Someone called Reindeer Girl posts, The idea of reprocessing spent fuel has been around for such a long time, and it's still a bad idea. First of all, it's incredibly expensive. In a struggling economy like ours, the last thing we need to do is spend the billions it will cost to rev up a reprocessing plant. And we were wondering what your take is. Do you think nuclear reprocessing uh, is is the wrong way to go? Or anything that you have to comment on, we always welcome your thoughts at 8778 or You can post on thetakeaway.org.